0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 312 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by, by D Wormers and Totalsaddlefit.com. Tonight on the show, we've got contributing editor to Dressage Today, Hillary Moore Hebert, for our favorite segment every month. And we're also going to answer a listener question that we got emailed to us.
2: This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
1: And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer. Again, we have Glenn with us. Hey guys, two weeks in a
0: row. are you feeling uh, special?
2: Nice. We are actually. This is fantastic.
1: Well, <laughs> Reese,
0: are you exhausted yet? Your season's just started, but I know what it's like in the spring in Kentucky. There is something you can do every weekend with those horses.
2: It's true. It's there's a lot going on here. We uh, this is like the busiest. This weekend is probably my busiest of the year because my event horses and my dressage horses go together at the horse park. So tomorrow, twice, I should be warming two different people up in two different venues on the horse park. So it's which is pretty far. You can't actually be in two places at one time. I would like to be, but. Uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be a really busy weekend, but I think we're all uh, happy to have the spring here. Actually, it's very cold here today. I don't know how it is for everybody else.
0: Hey, Philip, how's nice. it we in have Canada? a beautiful day.
2: <laughs> really? It's freezing yeah. here. I mean, it's like in the 40s. It's very, very cold.
1: Oh, man.
0: Well, Philip, now what how many horses will you work a day this time of year and or or lessons and or work horses a day? Cuz this
1: is your super busy season. Yeah, we're just in it now. So today, not so much because I'm on here with you guys. But normally, eight, you know, maybe. The thing about the thing about my, my business is about it's about traveling around, right? So I'll drive half an hour, teach a lesson, drive twenty minutes, teach another lesson. Okay. So, so you do a lot you know, of driving now, so more freelancing. If I had them all in one spot, I could do a whole bunch more. But hmm. you know. We do a few in the morning at one spot and then uh, and then it's on the road for the rest of the day. But uh yeah, so that's good though. I you didn't know? realize you were a traveling gypsy trainer. <laughs> I have helmet and will travel and we train horses. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Love realize it. Yeah, I mean I used to be all in one location and then I got more into this into this uh freelancing thing and it's kinda nice actually. I like the little break in the car. You know, listen to the radio a little bit, and then get to my next location. And it's not—it's not as crazy as as you know how Reese is with all everybody all on top of one another in one place. <laughs> you
0: so. know what, though, Reese, do you get to? You know, I, obviously, I work in a studio, so it's a little different. You get to work outside, but you're still at home. Do you find yourself needing to get out of the farm?
2: Anybody that lives on a farm, there are times where I'm like, I just need to drive to Starbucks.
0: Exactly.
3: To <laughs> <laughs> sit
2: there for a few minutes. Exactly. Yes. A
3: Walmart for a bit. To, I, yeah, Walmart.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. People. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I don't think I've left the farm in two days, three days. Like that's not healthy. That's not good. So yeah. I, I have found that. And I think anybody that lives and works on a farm, I'm sure you've had that time where you're like, really, this is not healthy. So, uh, so that's good. So yes, I do. I do have to get off the farm and, uh, you know, like one night a week, uh, I personally train like at another farm. So I go off and then, um, uh, Thursday night I'm with you guys. So yeah, I try to definitely balance bit. it. Yeah. It's nice. I, I think for, for all of us, it's nice, but yeah, my place is like grand central station right now. I mean, there are horses everywhere today and people and the blacksmith and how is it that when the blacksmith's there, the vets there, guys, are, I mean, it was, I look up at one point and I'm like, I have no control over anything that's happening right now. <laughs> and I've yeah. learned, I've just had to learn to take a deep breath and, and
1: let that go. So let it, let it happen.
2: Yep, there's just nothing you can do. And at least everybody's there. And you just don't, I don't, you can't build barns big enough. My barn is not big enough for all of that activity. But
0: you're right right about the farrier and the vet, though. It just, you schedule them four hours apart and they're still going to be there together. (laughs) One's going to be early. One's going to be late. Exactly. (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) Exactly. They like, Uh. I think there's a conspiracy
1: actually. I think they just travel around together. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I just travel around together and say, "Let's, let's get, let's go, let's go get these guys.
2: It's crazy. I today. mean, yes, let's go get Reese's barn today. And I mean, there were people flying around everywhere horses everywhere, horses jogging, horses getting. I mean, it was just like, ah. Uh. It's not good. It's noon, and I need a drink.
1: <laughs>
2: but it definitely keeps it interesting. Again, you know, we're we're you know, especially this time of year, all the working students are here, and we have a changeover. Actually, I'm going to give a shout out to Ashley Rand, who's been my assistant for the year. She's been fantastic. She's uh, going back to school, and I have a new crew starting June 1st. So, shout out to Ashley for all the hard work she's done for me for the year, and looking forward to my new group that's coming in. It should be a lot of fun. So. Gotta love it.
1: Uh Uh Uh-oh. New trainees. (laughs) <laughs> yeah boot, boot camp starts boot
2: camp week. boot camp actually th- i'm <laughs> lucky because mary shani is uh she has been with us here at maple cross for the last about six months to a year no quite a year and so mary is she's been uh taking over weekends and so she graduated from uk and she's taken over the full-time position so Don't i'm lie. really lucky this is not going to be it's it's already sort of it's very right, smooth right, we'll yeah so this one's right. going to be good for us but typically when the Staff shifts over; it can be a little wild and wooly for a
0: while. So, well, that's good. I and we know how you go through staff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they never leave. That's what I tease them. They never leave. Like I, I love my girls, and they stick around. They're, they're still in town. I mean, actually, almost all of them are still here. So, I love it. It becomes a huge family. So now we now we just have to have a big barbecue because we always have a barbecue at the end. Um, of everybody's sort of time here so so the barbecue is getting really big now <laughs> which is great it's a lot of fun we have a big time so looking forward to it this weekend right after this word from By Mita to dewormers we're gonna have hillary moore hebert on for her dressage today segment
0: We all know the importance of deworming our horses, and Dr. Ellefson of Biomita Equine is helping us make sure we are doing it right. Listen for his four-part series the first week of every month on this very show. I just wanted to remind everyone, if you are due for deworming, why not save a few bucks on the popular Biomita line of wormers, including Equimax, Bimectin, Exodus, Exodus Multi-Dose, and Equal. You can find coupons and special offers at buymediaequine.com, including a variety of rebate offers from cash to free ivermectin. You can also get up to $2 a dose back for Equimax. And while you're at Buy Me to Equine, get your free horse health record keeper and you can just download it there. Plus, learn a bunch about parasites and deworming at buymeeta, that's B-I-M-E-D-A, equine.com. We at the Horse Radio Network all use Buy Me to Dewormers because we want the best for our horses and we know you want the best for yours too. Buy me to equine.com and tell them the Horse Radio Network sent you.
2: Okay, guys, so in honor of David Letterman... Which, I hear some mixed reviews on who likes David Letterman, but I love David Letterman. And in honor of Dave Letterman's retirement, Hilary Moore Hebert from the Contributing Editor of Dressage Today is here with her top 10 tips. Hilary, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. I like
3: this idea. I I love this idea. idea. (laughs) We're going to have to keep track
4: of the I don't watch David Letterman, but it's because I am either in bed way too early yeah, or early. I am yeah. out at the bar and helping with some medical emergency. Yeah, yeah.
2: All of which we have. Yes, that's me, me. I used to watch David Letterman in college, but, you know, that was a couple months ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> a couple
3: months ago.
4: So I okay, love. it. number one tip is Reese has been out of college for more than a couple months. <laughs> yeah, that's. that's yes, I have.
2: Unfortunately, now, now, yes, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna tell everybody this story because you'll you'll love this. We're sitting and we're chatting about bronze medals and that kind of stuff, and one of my students comes in and goes, "Oh my god, you got your bronze medal the the year I was born," and I was like,
1: <laughs> oh, "Really? Oh, you need
2: to
3: tell Did
1: you make me that." Leave? Did you make yeah. her leave?
2: I was like, I should have made her drop and give me push-ups or something. Yeah. I was like, get out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Run a lap.
2: Run a lap or something. It was so mean. So, yes. Yeah, so, I, I'm a little sensitive to that topic this week. So, we've all been there. So, uh, so, anyways, Hillary, what is your first tip of our top 10 tips, tra- favorite trading tips?
4: Okay. So, um, because I don't really know. It go- is it a countdown? So, I start with number 10, right? Okay, I'm going to either way. way. Yes, starting with 10. I am obsessed with biomechanics. So, my first couple of tips relate to that and they are essential to know. The first thing for the first tip is the canter is an asymmetrical gait because the horse always has a leading leg and flexion on the same side. As a result, canter work is another situation in which there's always an inside that naturally carries more weight and an outside that needs to be engaged in order to balance the horse.
1: That's yeah. a good tip. That's, that's a, good a really tip. good tip. That that's I y- think you know that so that you don't when your horse is cantering you don't make motorcycle turns you have to support the outside and get hey, get that that side going as well.
4: Yes. So that the outside hind leg um, has to move forward more because in terms of the, you know, um, footfalls, it's starting with that outside hind leg. And I think that that's extremely important to remember because if you know that that's the case, every single time you're riding any movement in cancer, you can say to yourself, okay, what is that outside hind doing? And what, how do I need to think of this? And always remembering it's an asymmetrical gait because of that.
1: Uh, it's not it's naturally trailing way behind the horse. So if you can get that outside a little bit underneath the horse, you're gonna be a you know, a lot better balanced to be doing anything in canter.
3: Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's awesome a great tip. tip.
4: Love it. Number nine. So
1: yeah, what's the next? Number nine.
4: Okay. So number nine, the trot, however, and by the way, these are from the um half halt simplified with Huberta Schmidt, one of the articles that we have um in the magazine um so the trot however is a symmetrical gait so that when your horse is trotting on a straight line you want both hind legs to push the same and when you want to collect you want both hind legs to carry the same weight so whereas the canter is asymmetrical you know taking that outside hind first the trot is the diagonal pairs and so when you're thinking about that it's always related to um, you know, how to kind of get things connected evenly behind.
1: I just have a shout out to Penny. Was that Penny giving us a <laughs> sorry, little? Sorry, everybody. Opinion? <laughs>
2: that was Penny's. My mom's dog is here. I just grabbed her. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that was <laughs> shout out to Penny who was shouting out at everyone else.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good to think about how the gates are different from each other and how you have to bounce them a little bit differently. So, these, I mean, great tips to think about how your horse moves and, and, and how to improve that.
4: So then my number eight, and and I'm getting to a point here and you'll see why I think these are so important. So number eight on a bent line, when the horse's inside leg naturally carries more weight, um, the horse is correctly on the outside rein because his inside hind leg can swing up and underneath. So this, to me, I think is completely essential for any bending line is to know that, and this is a word I didn't learn until the L program, um, the inside hind adducts, it steps up and underneath. Corses don't shorten their inside legs to turn the way that humans do. They step up and underneath, um, you know, crossing underneath their midline for a proper turn. So, Philip, what you were saying before about the motorcycle turn, this is important to think about because we don't want them shortening their inside hind to kind of zoom around and go on their forehand. We want them to step up and underneath so that their body stays upright through any bending line, 20-meter circle, turning onto the diagonal, or as you get more advanced, you know, thinking about that in smaller circles and anything else that you would be doing.
2: Yeah. And this is huge. I actually uh, was working with someone today and it's, it's a third level horse. And now actually we're going for flying changes. And this particular horse, we have been working on her leaning on the right leg since I can't remember since she was four. And it's funny now because now this is her first horse that she's trained to train to third level. She said to me, I understand why she's, she can't do that, but she needs to step under behind. And sometimes I think you have to get a little further down the journey to understand why it's so important to do that. But it's a huge deal if the horse is leaning and falling in or, and not carrying their weight. So uh, that's a great tip. And I think every, everybody really has to watch that on all your horses.
1: Yeah. I think this is a big one. I know that Hillary was saying that this, these are these tips she goes to every day in her coaching. And this one for sure, I'm teaching Mm -hmm. about every single day on every single horse because We're teaching gymnastics and strengthening for the horse, and and this is a very important point if you want your horse to be strong and gymnastically flexible and to be able to do the job of dressage, to be able to move in a beautiful way. They have to be able to flex their joints, stand under the body, carry weight with the hind legs. So, I mean, this is right from the horses three years old doing a 20-meter circle. We have to teach them how, you know, because from the, I was actually, I was watching a horse today is uh, a horse or just backing and and the rider was riding and you could see how the horse was turning and not really getting an idea of bend. And then sometimes she would do it right. And you could just see how much more beautiful and, and how much more balanced the horse was when she made a turn properly on her good side to the other side where she was using her head and her neck as kind of a rudder and falling all over the place and and you say, well, you know, there's dressage happening right there, just for a young horse learning how to turn. I mean, I don't know what this this horse could be, to, could move on to be a jumper horse or a pleasure horse or whatever. But if we teach them these basics, they'll be easier to ride and and they'll be happier to do their job and they'll be sounder for longer and all these great things that we talk about in dressage. So I love this point. I think this should be number one. Maybe we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what's, see, what's
4: next. Yes, yeah, no pressure. Yeah. Okay, so I am about to blow your mind because this next (laughs) one I think is even more important. (laughs) So um, tip number seven, okay, half-halts. And this is where, you know, sort of the heart of the article is. When I half-halt, do I do it with my, am I doing um, both frames, meaning, you know, the right side or the left side, or just one, Um, and meaning just the outside. And this is where I think the way that he puts it in this article is very helpful. It relates to the three points that I talked about before. A right half halt affects the right hind by adding weight to it, and the same is true on the left. It's important to realize that because it explains why on figures and movements with bend, one does the half halt on the outside rein. When you're in the canter, because it's an asymmetrical gait, even if on a straight line, you do it with the outside rein. However, the trot being symmetrical, when you do a half halt, you want to have both hind legs carry. So you're going to half halt symmetrically, and I think that that is really important to think about because it's going to help you think about how does the biomechanics of the way my horse is traveling right now influence what I need to do that I feel that he's on the forehand or he's unbalanced or whatever how do I half halt to get him balanced you have to first know what is happening with the ba- weight bearing legs and what they're doing and how you need to half halt before you can get the correct correction
2: That that is quite good actually <laughs> I'm with you that may that may be better than the other one <laughs> um, yeah
1: I that's don't know. A, that's, well, late, later in the show, we're going to be covering yes. a little bit more of the half halt because we had a listener question. So this ties in really awesome to this, Hillary. I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. it'll tie in really well to our trainer tips. So listen to our total saddle fit trainer tip of the week, which is next on the show, and it really well because we we also talk about half halts on that. So excellent. But that's a really really cool way to think about it. Um, I like it. Well, that's a that's a good tip.
4: Okay, so. Tip number six, I wanted to kind of go in a different direction so that we're not just talking about uh, horse biomechanics, is um, to answer the question, how do I keep my dressage students encouraged? Uh, Jennifer Ross did this as um, you know, a Q&A for Ask the Experts. But I really liked the, the following that she says. And this is for students and instructors. It's three questions that you always want to ask yourself going into a ride. Um, what have you been working on already? How has that work been going? And what are your goals for this ride based on a logical progression of the first two answers? And I think verbalizing that tentative outline of what have you been working on, how is it going, and how am I going to you know, progress from there is really important before you go into every ride and also important to discuss with your trainer because it's going to get you the most out of that time.
2: No, I think that that's really good. I think every time you get on the horse, you always have to have some sort of plan on every horse. I think that's one of the things that when you take a lesson – Uh, You know, I always ask for my, what my riders have been working on for the week or what they want to work on, but I kind of take over the planning as a trainer and we all do. We take over the, the planning and say, okay, this is what we want to work on this week. And this is what I think, this is where we need to be. And this is where, but as you get on horses every day and you ride, you really have to think, okay, what is that horse doing? And what is the plan and all of that good stuff. So I think that there's a lot to be said about that. So I love it. It's a great, great way to do it.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think I think I try to do this, you know, and make a plan and and you know, I talk to my rider and say, you know, how's it been going? And 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 uh, do exactly that. And this week we'll see how it's been going. And then I kind of make the plan from there. So basically, you know, if they haven't really gotten the lesson from the last week and improved on that, then I think it's hard to to move on. So I think, you know the first part of the lesson is just you know let's look at the stuff we've been working on how can we move on from that and then a, a quick discussion okay i think that's been going good today i think we can progress to this next thing talk about that and then and then try and achieve it or hmm we're not quite getting it let's work on a different exercise on the same thing or let's work on this again a little bit because I think, you know, dressage is so structured on you have to achieve this and then that and then that and then that, you know, and, and on and so forth. So um, I think it's great to come in with an idea about how you want to teach your lesson, how you want to learn, right? And how to evaluate what you've been doing and how to move on. What's the next step for that? So I think it's it's very, very hard. I think the first time that you teach a horse from, let's say, First time you've ridden training level, you know, progressing on to first level, the second, you know, if you've done that more than once, everything is so much, you know, more clear than if you're just learning it the first time. So I think there's a lot of you need a lot of more coaching and and help and encouragement from your coach when, when okay, this is the first time I've ridden first level, and then you say okay, well we got to, you know, once you've gotten through that, you're like oh that's why you did that or that's why you did that, and then there's. You know, it's it's a lifetime of learning. So I, I like how you have to approach each lesson in kind of the same way and and have some structure. So that's a great tip. What's next, Hillary?
4: Okay, so of course I had to have Suzanne Dietz on um, from her clinic, and um, this one is from a critique. She talked about creating an open backline and. Um, this is a huge pet peeve of mine, and I see it all the time, and I do it too, so I, that's why I'm obsessed with it, but people riding with their head in front of the rest of their body, and um, it's something that creates a lot of tension in your shoulder area, and just in general, you're not in alignment, and it happens so often. Um, there's two ways to approach this, and one of them, I heard her say that I think is really a really straightforward way, is always ask yourself as you're riding and look at a video to see you know if this is a common problem. think about keeping your ears over your shoulders um, so that you're keeping your head back. Um, it's very common for people who you know are working in a computer or they talk about that neck problem that everyone has from texting all the time on their phone. This is the issue that you need to be sorting out. Um, for a clearer exercise to be solving this problem, she says to imagine the diagonal line running from your chin up to the back of your head and stretching your neck without negative tension. And with an op- a more open neck, it will be easier to straighten in the shoulder area too. And to feel the connection, put one hand on the back of your neck and bend your head forward and downward to feel the vertebra of the neck stick out. And there's a big one at the bottom, which is the lowest neck vertebra. Now lift your chin up so you can feel that this vertebra stays in place while the one above slides forward away from your fingers. And now repeat that while making trying to make contact so that it slides back. That's what you want to feel like you're doing. You want to align your upper back so that you don't get that tension you know, that kind of rolled shoulder look that you'll see in a lot of photos from the side of riders. You want to get everything straightened out so that it's just stacked on top of each other.
2: That's a really good tip because I, that's actually something I personally do. So I always have to be watching that my neck is back. Um, and, and I do that. I don't, I think I'm, cause I'm like, I don't know, trying to make the horse go faster Bigger, yeah.
1: I don't know. You're, you're trying I to do it a little bit. You're trying yeah. to, you're like, okay, let's get going. Let's, let's do get it. Going.
2: So I have to really personally watch that significantly. Yeah, that's a super yeah.
1: common problem.
2: Yeah. It, so I, I really like that one because I do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I do that one. So well, um, I like that one.
1: I, I mean, yeah, when I teach, I try and tell, like, if I have a rider with that issue a little bit, I tell them to put their index finger on their chin and just push their head back a little bit and see if they can. If they can mm-hmm. easily, then their head is probably leading a little bit, and if they can't, then maybe maybe they're riding better than that than I can see. But I, you know, you just think don't don't kind of lead with your forehead or your chin. Let your body lead a little bit, and um, that's that's a great tip because it's a really common issue. So yes, good, yeah. What's next? That's a really good one.
4: So her other solution to this is sort of a whole tip in of itself. So I'm separating it. Um, and it's tip number four. Another way to fix this that I think speaks to so many other things is imagine that the, and I love the way she says this, the rocking point of your horse is behind the saddle. So is that, the, I know it's kind of like a Say, say that thing, again. Yes, yeah,
2: say that again. The
4: ro- imagine that the rocking point of your horse is behind your saddle. So it's located behind your saddle. So here's a way that I kind of think of this is that your horse that instead of what you were saying before Reese of feeling like you want to go faster. So you're almost kind of like putting your head forward. Mm-hmm. Think about behind the saddle and that you're on almost, you know, a feeling of when she says the rocking point of your horse as you canter, for example, that what's happening is you are, you're rotating and everything, all the movement and everything is coming from behind. So that instead of feeling like, maybe you're cantering and it's that your horse is bounding forward with the front legs, think more about them sitting behind. And then that kind of, as I think of that, I kind of imagine, you know, the back part of my back, what's behind me. It's having awareness of what's behind you. You start to kind of, I find myself bringing my head back, thinking about keeping myself, you know, nice and upright in my body. And you start thinking about, you know, when she says the rocking point, you know, the activity and also the place that everything is moving up and down is coming from behind instead.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've never heard it,
4: Me
2: you know,
1: kind of focused on that. But I, I mean, if you, th- if you think about it, if we could put a saddle on the horse's butt a little bit, we could be pu- pushing the horse around a little bit better, right? Because we're actually sitting, in front of the the engine in front of the power point of the horse and so if we focus and we get everything more like you know we're behind it and we're pushing the horse from behind where we want it to go the hips then then uh then, then everything will go a little easier i think it's interesting and it's all I think different that, perspectives right
4: yeah and i think that i like to do this if i'm having difficulty so for example you're talking about the flying changes I like to think about this because it makes me, you know, in the tempi changes, sit back and think about the change coming from behind. Or like in the pirouettes, it makes you think about what's happening behind as opposed to just rotating the front around. I like to think about this a lot when she talks about this rocking point. Maybe you have, you know, a different term for it, but I like that idea of you know, what is happening in the hind legs and how are they moving in order to get that movement done. And that's where it is to me is why it's one of my top tips is, you know, you really always need to be saying, you know, how am I influencing the hind end versus sort of always focusing on what you can see in front of you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's great. really cool. Yeah. That's really Good. cool. It, yeah. Very cool. All right, how about our next one?
4: Okay, so this next one seems like it's very specific, but I think, again, it's an exercise that is very, um, it involves a lot of different things, and it's from um, Upper Body Conditioning for the Dressage Rider with Helen Fletcher. Uh, it's an unmounted exercise called the waiter, and I often will talk about this in a different way because the exercise is very similar to Um, you, you're going to stand with your feet, hip bone width apart with even pressure on both feet from the base to, um, your toe to your heel. Um, and then you're going to, again, gently lengthen the crown of your head, just like how Suzanne just told you, um, activate your core muscles as we always do. Um, and then you're going to bend your knees at a slight right angle so that it mimics riding. But this is where I think that, this is a thing that professionals, I think, take for granted sometimes, is you're going to take your elbows and bend them at a right angle, and it should look like your palms are facing upward as if you are holding um, a lunch tray, uh, and that's why, you know, I think they call it the dumb waiter. So, you want to feel as though you have a, a lunch tray or, you know, some sort of tray with your hands underneath. Um And what you want to then do is inhale to prepare. And as you exhale, um, you want to bring your arms outward uh, and keep your elbows in. And then um, you're going to bring them back. But that movement, as you return them back and then come out again and you repeat that, you're not going to squeeze your shoulder blades. It's simply feeling as though you can keep your balance as your hands can come wider and can come in. And I think this is a really important exercise to do because it allows you to feel like with relaxation you can bring your hands in and out. And I notice a lot for my students that this is a very difficult movement. So for example, if I ask them to take their hands a bit wider in the canter, if they don't have their balance, this is um, really hard for them to do. Uh, you know, they're just not comfortable with that movement. It's more common that when they're unstable, they'll kind of tend to cross their rein over the wither, and it's not natural for them to want to go wide like this. So I really like this exercise. It helps with things like, um, you know, if you ask for counterflexion, it allows your hands to stay wide enough so you're not doing funny things with them. Um, It's a really good way to prepare for all the second-level trot work because, you're comfortable kind of going wider and narrow with your arms, um, you know, as you ask for shoulder in haunches and stuff like that. So I think it's really applicable to a lot of different things. um, And it helps you start to feel comfortable with your upper back and posture, um, which tends to get very tight or kind of twisted and stuff as you're moving up the levels.
2: Yeah. I was just sitting here visualizing it and it's true. Like it's, it's just something where, where you're, where Hillary's describing. Try to visualize because it definitely makes sense once you feel that. So I
1: think it's our, I think it's our yoga move of the week. Yes, we're gonna start adding True. our yoga move of the week. Well, that's good. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, really good idea.
1: I don't know if this is hard for people. I'm just doing it. Sorry, I was just in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hillary, for that tip. That's awesome. What's the next one?
4: Well, I just, before I bring that up, I just want to mention too, I think we get so focused on, you know, our core, our core, our core, getting our hips loose. I, I wanted to talk about that exercise with the head and then this with your arms and, um, your, you know, your upper body, because I think that you want to remember that you do need to have mobility there. Um, so, you know, I just want, that's why I wanted to highlight it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a really key point is you have to be strong but but able to move right i see so many riders that just i want to sit in the perfect place so i'm just so tense and i'm holding myself in the perfect place that i can't really ride the horse from that point right i mean i think you know when you get yourself to the right balance it's about being being able to be effective within within that balance being able to move your hand a little bit here bring your elbow back a little bit there to because in the end, like, the perfect posture isn't perfect if you can't influence the horse in a really soft, flexible way.
2: Yeah. it's a really um, good idea. Um, yeah. yeah absolutely.
4: <laughs> okay. What's next? So, number two is Da-da-da. a really, um, really, really interesting uh, blog post from Margaret, Margaret Freeman. Um, who's a, a USCF senior dressage judge and FBI competitor um, that has been started to blog for uh, DT. And this, I thought, was really cool. Um, I always have to talk about safety, and it's why I have it at the top of the list. Um, she was talking about how she was at a show judging in the Midwest, and um, a younger rider came off of her horse, and when the EMT got to her, um, he uh, went, you know, and checked her and everything. Um, but once she said she was fine, he actually took her helmet away from her. And then um, he walked out of the ring, but he, you know, was with her, but he was carrying the helmet. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if you guys are um, big football fans or not, if you've noticed that they'll do that after that, there's um, a possible head injury to an athlete on football teams um, is that they're not allowed to be put back on the field until they've been inspected for injury. Um, and also the helmet has been inspected to make sure that it's still functional. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting thing because have you guys ever seen that happen before where the EMT has taken the helmet away?
1: No, I don't think so.
2: I So I'm actually on the USCF safety committee. So one of the things um, that happens is when your helmet, you can't always tell if your helmet's been damaged or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, re- it's a replace situation right away.
2: Yes, because it may look okay, like the actual shell, but I have seen helmets that look absolutely perfect. And then they'll cut into them at meetings and they're completely shot on the inside.
1: Dented so, or dented or yeah, oh. the styrofoam is broken up.
2: Right, because every one of the helmets has to meet a standard, the ASTM standard, and uh, all this stuff is is you can find it online now. Uh, so I don't want to be quoted, you know, that, that I say the wrong thing, but you have to be very careful. And I think the fact that the EMT took the helmet is good because it also says that, you know, maybe she's not ready to get back on the horse. And I think that you know we're all trained very quickly that we're supposed to get back on the horse, um, and there are times where. Yes, maybe from a rider standpoint, you should get back on the horse, but you really, really, really and have to be careful. Thing, with. Yeah,
1: yes. I, I, Very I, know. Careful. I think more and more they're recommending, like, for confidence, yeah, you know, but for safety. So I'm like, you know, as far as, you know, the litigation and stuff like that, it's actually for students, like, don't get back on the horse. Don't right. use that helmet again. Replace that helmet immediately. Right. You know, that's, I mean, it's tough because we know how it is about riding and you want to not, spend too much time off the horse and then think about your injury and think about the fall and but uh, we're learning so much about concussions and how they can have effects, you know, later on. Like you can feel okay and then be terrible in a few hours. I don't know. This is gonna be a tough thing because um yeah, you know, definitely when we were kids and, and in past generations, you just I mean it's a saying, isn't it? Right? You jump back on that horse, but I don't know. I, I I'm thinking less and less that that that's that's the thing to do.
4: Well, I think the big thing is too, at least from my experience, <laughs> the you know zillions of concussions I've probably had. It's not funny at all. It's like so much yeah. Stuff, but like, I mean, it's yeah. Um, it's, I yeah, mean, yeah.
1: if you ride horses, you're gonna fall off, and if, when yeah. you yeah. fall off, you're probably gonna hit your head.
4: Yeah, and then what will happen after that?
1: So that's tough.
4: Yeah, and then would you guys agree with me? Having done this multiple times, usually what happens is I fall off, I hit my head. I'm not sure whether or not I hit my head because at that point I have so much adrenaline going simply just from, you know, getting thrown off a horse that usually what I do. As I jump up, I feel fantastic. I'm like pissed at the horse for doing that. And I think, oh, I yeah, need to fix their back attitude. Back and you get right back on. And it's not necessarily from my perspective of, oh, get back on the horse or you'll be scared till later. It's more that I don't even know what planet I'm on. And so then you get back on the horse and there you have a, pr- a horse that's proven, you know, f- throws people off. Your helmet could possibly be, you know, crushed into a million pieces on top of your head. So now you are concussed riding a dangerous horse with a helmet that doesn't work anymore. So that's where I think, you know, this is why it's so important to me is I think that, you know, there's all the discussion, whatever I don't want to get into about riding with one or not, but... There are people with fantastic intentions that put themselves in really dangerous situations because they don't understand, um, you know, that they even necessarily hit their head before they put the helmet back on, and then they're back on. So I yeah. really wanted to have this be an important thing for people to know.
2: No, it's a really good. It's a really good tip. This
1: is a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good point. I mean, if I think back, I, I think I've been knocked out four times like right out and then gotten back on the horse
4: yeah
2: but that's yeah. just the way
1: it, i mean that's just the way it is like you know
2: right you right
1: know. so oh
2: i saw people in, in europe that was you know, a really
1: bad idea you yeah know, but
2: yeah i uh, saw I people up, in europe that you know would, would head first into a wall and then get back on the horse and they were in no bad helmets shape. no, no helmets. Helmets. i rode in europe with so, no helmet
1: falling off bad shoulder. deal
2: yeah, bad yeah. deal. Bad news, band. Anyways, so. it's getting
1: better, right? We're going to be safer. It is getting
2: better. Yeah, it's getting much safer. And wear your helmets. And, and that
1: sounds like that EMT had the right idea. Take away yeah. the helmet. You know, really do a, a, a really close inspection. Try your best, but maybe not even get back on the horse that day. Yeah. So, exactly. Are we? I think we're ready. I think that's enough on that. Maybe we Yeah, can go are on we ready to, for number, uh, our, one. Our number one? Are we ready for that?
4: Yes. So it's still a safety one. Sorry to be such a Debbie Downer with these, but it's really important to me. So the next one, this is number one, and this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, When somebody falls off a horse, whether it's you and you know what's going on or somebody else falls off a horse, I cannot count the number of times that someone's like, oh, do you feel okay? Can you wiggle your hands and feet? Can you sit up? And the possibility that a person has had a back injury, which I did two years ago, and I remember laying, you know, on bluestone that I had hit really hard. I thought I was paralyzed. The pain was like taking the wind out of me, and I had people who were like, oh, take her helmet off, put something under her head, let's take her boots off, and meanwhile, I'm laying there getting totally worked up because everyone's trying to you know, help me out and make me comfortable. But meanwhile, if you have a back injury, you know, they could be doing major damage. So for me, um, I really think that that is absolutely important because we have so many falls in riding is to really make sure that people know that if somebody falls off and there's a possibility that they have a back injury, that asking them to wiggle their feet is not going to do anything but put them in danger Um, You know, they should lay there immobile, don't touch them or anything. Um, If they have been knocked unconscious, and I'm not, you know, a doctor, so obviously you guys want to talk to someone who can give you clear medical advice. And um, I would encourage everyone to take a first aid course. But the other thing too is if someone's been knocked unconscious, there's a possibility that they'll wake up and be like very frantic. So you want to calm them down and make sure that they don't try to get it up Um, you know, and obviously call the paramedics if it's an injury like that. Um, but I just, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen people fall off and they're at shows and the EMT is on the way, or, you know, you're at the barn and the first thing people want to start doing is seeing if you can sit up, moving you around, asking you if you can move around. And it's just so dangerous. Um. And the reason I bring it up is because there was someone, he had um, a puncture to his heart. He had broken his ribs and he had a puncture to his heart uh, and they asked him to sit up. And um, this was, you know, someone that uh, is a friend of someone that I teach. And as soon as they moved him, it went through and he died instantly. And if they oh. had just left him lying, um, you know, he would have been, They would have been able to check all of that stuff and stabilize it most likely. So please, please, please. I know it's like really (laughs) depressing stuff I'm talking about now, but that's why this is my number one is if somebody comes off a horse and there's a possibility that they have major injuries, please leave them alone and don't start wiggling them all over the place.
2: Well, I think your tip that everybody needs to take a first aid class. I think yeah, that I is I think that's
1: the number one tip. That's yeah, the number
2: sure. one tip because
1: okay. that's what they teach you.
2: Yep. If somebody's down,
1: them. leave them down. Don't move move yep. them. And let Don't the experts them. let the experts who trained in it, you know, take care of the safety aspect. You know, if it's at a show, I know we're involved in, in schooling shows and these sort of things. You know, everybody's ride times will have to go back an hour or whatever. That doesn't matter. Leave someone alone to, to lie in the ring or, or just, you know, and be calm and let the experts do what they know how to do, right?
0: And being the Red Cross volunteer, I have to say, get your CPR training. If you haven't had it 20 years, it's changed. So get it done. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, we were, we, funny enough, because we were talking about earlier on the show is that I have a new crew coming in and I had just literally yesterday, one of the things we're doing this summer is none of them have their, um, their, CPR training. Zero. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to hire somebody to come out and just offer it as a service here at the barn. And it's just something we're going to do one night. And it can um, be,
1: it can be, it can be a fun barn day to get a, you know, a whole group together and do CPR and do uh, a little bit of concussion training and what to do in emergencies. I think that's a, a wonderful number one tip. In tribute to yay, uh, Hillary. Dave
2: yay Hillary! Thank you, love it. Oh, does this
0: With mean you. you're retiring now, too? <laughs> no, no, uh, no.
2: No. <laughs> no, she's not allowed to retire.
1: We Love having her on the show.
0: <laughs> Just asking, <laughs> she's doing <laughs> no, well. no, it was,
2: more,
4: it, it was more in tribute.
0: Oh, okay, all right, good.
4: Those late night guys that are not a lot of them, they're retiring like every two years and then they come back the next week. So I'll
3: retire (laughs) and then I'll be
4: back next month. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we'll see. That sounds perfect. Third week of
2: the month and you're back. We love it.
4: (laughs) Well, Hillary, as always, thank you so much. And how do our listeners find you online? Uh, They can visit us at dressagetoday.com. And don't forget to check out uh, the blog section because as i mentioned the past couple of months, There's plenty of new bloggers there to follow. Um, They can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and Pinterest.
0: This week's EasySignsOnline.com Spotlight product is their New England-style farm signs, their most popular line of signs. New England-style farm signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required. No wood to rot and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old-style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles, which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also offer free no-obligation sign proofs on all New England-style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England-style signs. So replace your old worn-out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. Visit EasySignsOnline.com.
5: The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. Totalsaddlefit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girths recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available.
0: At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com.
2: Well, this week on our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, Philip and I are doing a listener question. So, Philip, why don't you go ahead and read us the question?
1: All right. Here we got it via email. From uh, from Sharon here, and uh, it says I really love your show. So you yeah, like to give it, pump us up a little bit, right? Thank you. <laughs> I have a follow up follow up question about the half halt. First, though, the expl- explanation made it much clearer for me. I don't think I understood the half halt before. Thank you. My question: um, When doing a half halt, if the horse doesn't immediately respond, do you change the volume or continue for the three seconds and increase it? On the next half halt, for example, if the half halt is is to halt and you start the half halt with a volume of one or two, and the horse doesn't respond, do you either change the volume from two to four immediately, or stay at the two until the next half halt and start the next half halt at a four? Thanks, Canadian listener.
3: Thank you very much for
1: the question from Canada. Love, love it. Our northern love, right? <laughs> Okay, so as far as the question, what, what, do you, what do we think here?
2: Well, again, I think with half-halts, it depends. You know, I like this question because I liked the idea that we talked about the volume of the half-halt. Um, for me, especially because the question really centers around a half-halt going into a halt, I want to give at a volume of two or a very, I want to give a light half halt because I think with all our aids, if it's forward aids or collecting aids or half halting aids or stopping aids, we need the horse to listen to those aids. So if we give a quick half halt, the horse needs to listen to that half halt. So if I'm going from, let's say, trot to halt and I give a volume two and the horse doesn't listen, I'm going to, in that particular example, I'm going to give a pretty strong half halt and halt the horse. Because I, that just tells them, hey, I need you to pay attention to my half halt. So for me, I would go to that volume of four or five just to make a point to that horse. And that is, hey, I need you to halt. I've asked you with my leg, seat, and my hands to stop, and you haven't. So that's a big thing for me. Stop and go are two things that have to always work. So for me, I would increase the volume significantly. Um, but I also would say, okay, so I would give one significantly strong half halt. I think one is much better than uh, you know, uh, 10 of volume three with no response. So for me, I want to make a response. I want the horse to listen, give me a halt, and then I'm going to go test that half halt again. And I'm going to, again, ask the horse at a volume two. Let's say if that's what I, my light aid, that's what I started with. And then if he doesn't listen, then I'm going to Change exercise and do walk halts and or something along those lines until I really feel like the horse is listening to my aids. Philip, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. I just uh, pretty much exactly. So for me, I just want to clarify. Like volume two comes only with the seat. So right. I ask from my seat, no hands, right? And if I do not get a reaction, I'm gonna go to, let's call it two to <laughs> six or seven. That that will include the the contact and the hands and then i'm going to go i'm going to go to 9 or 10 so i ask once ask again and then the third time the horse better stop and i might even go to a little bit of rain back so mm-hmm. you know in between those those it, it's quick right it's it's you know ask with the seat release nothing happens ask with the seat and the hands nothing happens then okay then it's got then it's going to happen and that's all within you know i don't know five seconds you know just really quick right that the horse has to learn to be quick off the aids and so if you want your horse to learn to respond to quick aids the aids have to be applied quickly so i'm not going to ask a two and then wait around four or five strides and then ask again so i'm going to ask at a two the next, you know, and then there's a little release, and then the next ride, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, and all the time I'm deciding, you know, when, whenever I'm riding any horse, I'm always deciding, you know, um, do I need to ask stronger, you know, what kind of reaction? It's a conversation, right? I talk to the horse through my age, through my seat, and the horse has to talk back to me with with reactions, and so depending on, you know, what kind of reactions. I'm getting. I'm going to talk a little stronger or a little softer, and you know. And the other thing is just you know try to really read read your horse. Is he is he not responding because he doesn't care or he's being lazy or you know those reasons? Is he not responding because he's distracted? You know, there's you know there's different and and horses come with different personalities. So I have to cater you know my my lessons and and the riding to the horse to his personality. If 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 the horse is really you know, a little bit of one of these hot, sharper ones, and I I never have to go to a uh, you know a seven, eight, nine, ten sort of thing. I can stay within the within the lower range of of what my aids are. But if I use them quickly, I know that horse is better be sharp. So, I think that's you know, um, that's basically how I ride. Really quick ask and quick reaction, and, and hopefully you can you can train the horse to to respond to that that too just by catering your whole lesson plan to the horse towards you know what was he missing what is he not getting so hopefully that helps
2: yeah no i think that's great and i think that's always how how you have to think about it i like the idea of the fact that half halts the volume changes i think a lot of people say oh half halts they're all the same and they're not half halts, and it depends on so many things: the the strength of your seat, how the horse is on the age, level, yeah. and training of the horse, yeah, understanding absolutely. of the that's horse. absolutely,
1: that's right. Half halt is never just one thing. That's a very good point, Reese. Mm-hmm. It's it's all depending on the horse. You know, the young horses you have to half halt with both reins. The more trained the horse gets, the more balanced towards the outside rein. Then you can use a, a little bit more, you know, outside rein. And a half halt is different on a curve than a straight line, whether it's in half pass or or, um, you know, an extension, that's that's for sure a really good point. It changes.
2: Yeah, and I think that's hard for people to understand. You know, I think that idea of, what do you mean it's not always the same? Well, I, I say it like when you apply the brake on your car. You know, it's if you have to stop quickly, you put your foot on the brake. If you can, you know, you see an accident half a mile ahead, you give, you know, you put your foot lightly on the brake or maybe you tap the brake or whatever it may be, it's the same riding a horse. You may have a different feeling going into the corner than coming out of the corner or setting up for a shoulder in or, you know, setting up for a shoulder in a Grand Prix horse is very different than setting up on a six-year-old. And so there's a lot of things that that go into that. And so I just think it's always good to think about it. And as you ride, know that you're going to have to adjust pretty quickly. As always, we love emails and shout outs and all those good things. So keep them coming and uh, we love answering them. It keeps, keeps it fun and exciting. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
1: You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
2: Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will actually talk to you in two weeks.